Porter's Gate online broadcast. My name is Isa Phillips Akintola. This morning we are also streaming on Facebook live stream. We want to thank God for another day heaven has given unto us. What a day, what a time. We've been through some very rough time in the in the past 24 hours, but I thank God for the grace of God, for his mercy and for his goodness to you know give me once again the opportunity to be alive and to see this beautiful day and the part of what heaven amen is doing in our time uh quickly i want to also share with you this morning uh, uh, my facebook was actually hacked i've been struggling that's why it's like i'm a bit starting you know late today i've been struggling with it i had to you know basically you know download you know a new facebook uh, and and uh, yeah, so but I thank God, you know, for for the grace of God, for the mercy of God. It's been it's been rough, but the Father is faithful. I'm more than focused, more than ever before. My mind is set on the Lord. Want to see what the Father Amen has in stock for us. Want to see it come to pass. Want to see it manifest. When you begin to raise the standard, I tell you, all hell will be loose against you. But I, I know one thing, amen, that which the Father has ordained and has prepared me for for this season, amen, will come to pass. The enemy has been attacking at all levels, at all fronts. But the word of the Lord, the word of the Lord will be exalted. The Bible says in that day, the counsel of the Lord, the word of the Lord, amen, will be established. The word God gave to us, the word our ministry is built on, is in Isaiah chapter 2. He's saying that, that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be exalted above all hills, above all mountains, amen. And men will, will, will stream there. Men will say, come let us go up to the mountain of the Lord's house so we're building something we're tracking something here we're constructing something here that is very 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 significant to the advancement of the movement of God you know for this season in time so for our listener on on uh, our live broadcast on radio I want to welcome you this morning to you know another session we're looking at session 14 on our topic, engaging the seasons of God, in the days of the nearness of God, in the days of the nearness of God, how are we supposed to posture our heart? What kind of a life, what kind of a, an understanding, amen, are we supposed to have? How do we how do we engage all right, the, the, the things of the Spirit? I like what, you know, uh, uh, a sister posted on our Facebook this morning. Powerful, powerful. She said the thing is, she said the thing is, we're not supposed to be learning as men and women. Say so we're not supposed to be learning, but we're supposed to be actually unlearning things. And that word hit me like a brick. He said, we're supposed to be unlearning things. And I said to myself, wow, this is not just a word. This is not just some statement. This is God speaking. This is powerful. This is prophetic. And I'll tell you, that is the, that's, that's the day we live in. A day where we need to begin to unlearn the things that we have learned. In fact, we need to, we need to unlearn the things we have, we have defined to be church. And this is the this is the crux of the matter that our definition of God, our definition of the kingdom, our definition of the church, our definition of even our own life, amen, has been perverted. And so many of us are running with that perversion. We're running with that lack of, you know, you know, clarity and understanding. So we've got to go back into the word of God. And that's why, you know, a few days ago, I told you that heaven, amen, has released his agents. God has released, amen, his, his, his agent to bring back this thing we call the ecclesia. This thing we call back, the, we call the church to come back, amen, to the dockyard, amen, for a, for a, a rebuilding, for a renovation, for a reconstruction, if you will. Because that, 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 that which is before us, what? 
what we're heading towards, amen, is gonna be, is gonna be, it's gonna be, it's gonna be destructive if we if we don't change, if we don't come to a place of newness, if we don't come to a place and upgrading, if we don't come to the place of understanding, if we don't come to the place of transformation, if we don't come to a place of redefinition, we have to come to a position in our life, amen, where we'll begin to retract and begin to understand again. Alright, the, the demand of God, the desires of God, the requirements of God, the, the you know the blueprint of God. When we say church, we're not talking about your idea, amen. We're talking about God's instrumentation for the redemption of creation. The church, amen, is a powerful, is a powerful tool. God gave creation for our redemption. He said, he said, he said, he said, we were placed here on earth, amen, to do what? To bring healing, to bring transformation, to bring hope, to bring regeneration. Thank you, my doctor, Ozea. I see you again. Welcome. Thank you, wrote to me. I see you. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for coming. Thank you for being part of this, uh, uh, this discussion. I tell you guys, heaven is speaking to us in in such a clear way in such a profound way that we need to upgrade we need to update we need to upscale our understanding something has to ha- happen within us look at look look just look at what is happening for the past for the past 200 years there about 12 two, two, three on okay let me say 200 years maybe say that well that is a bit too far okay let's say for the past 50 years for the past 20 years look at the church We've grown in limbs and brown, limbs and bound. We've grown. We've increased. All kinds of things are happening. But guess what? The church has not made impact. We've made impact in terms of filling our auditoriums. We've made impact in, in terms of our, uh, um, going into all kinds of projects because today we do all kinds of things. We do. And somebody may say, "But why are you why, why are you hammering on the church?" Because, like I've said before, if you change the church. You change the wine skin of the church. You change a nation. You change a generation. And that's why, you know, the father, you know, gave us the church. He gave us, I mean, he gave creation the church. I mean, when Jesus was living, the only thing he could leave behind was the church. He, he had nothing else to leave. I mean, he could have lived a powerful army. He could have left some, you know, gold somewhere. Because the children of Israel, they were looking for something else. They said, would you restore the, would you restore the kingdom <laughs> in this time? They were, they, were, they, were, they were seeking for something that will help them out of, you know, their dilemma, their situation. All right. Here's a Roman Empire that, you know, that has invaded their land, that invaded their space. And I mean, yes, is supposed to be the redeemer, the savior of the world. And he came die and he's now, he's about living. And, and the disciples are wondering, excuse me, is the job done? He said, the job is done. I'm waiting for you now to carry on what I began. They said, okay, would you restore, at least would you restore the kingdom to Israel at this time? Jesus said it's not for you to know the time or the season because the, the, our problem is which we, which we also find in the life of the disciple they were looking for a way of escape I hope I'm not sounding too uh, too loud to you out there please if my sound is fine please just let me know just give me a thumbprint if my sound is fine I want to know that I'm, I'm able to you know communicate to you in a way where we can all understand I'm working on my you know my, my gadget here all right Thank you, Brother Mervyn, for joining. I'm, I'm working on things here so that we can have a better and a clearer, you know, transmission. We believe in God for great things. I tell you, the enemy is 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 warring. The enemy is fighting. But guess what? We already win. This battle has been won. I'm only stepping into a a determined victory. I'm already. I'm all, I'm just a proclaimer. I'm just a courier service. I'm just delivering a message. 
you know, yesterday while I was sharing, you know, uh, uh, um, and we're saying some things. Because see, some of the things that we're going to be saying will be, will be hurting you and will be hurting me. And we need to hurt each other for us to be healed. For us to come to a place of our assignment. All right? if, if all I'm saying are the things that you will hear any other place. If all I'm saying are things you will, you will hear when you turn on your TV or you turn on your radio. Then I'm not true, truly representing God. Then I'm not a vessel of God. Then I'm not a servant of God. Every servant of God has got a clear, unique message that will change amen, the template of, of, his, of his people, of the generation, to the place that heaven desired them to be. Like I was saying, in the past 20 years, we've been doing church. We've grown in all, in all limbs and bounds. But our lifestyle has been, has, been, has been dropping. Our understanding of the things of God has been dropping. It's like we've, got, we've, we've gone from you know, partial sight to complete, amen, excuse me, from you know, yeah, partial sight to complete blindness. We've gone to a state where we don't even see again. I was listening to somebody this morning. In fact, I shared the video on my, on my timeline. And this man says, the church has gone to a place where she's lost her conscience. We've lost conscience. When you lose conscience, you lose consciousness. You just do things. You just say things. You just carry out whatever you think you need to do. But here's the Lord. We've got to come back to the place of renovation. We've got to come back to the place of realignment. We've got to come back to the place where we can become truly relevant. And our relevance is not going to start with what we're doing. It's going to start with the reconstruction, with the reconfiguration of our inner template. There has to be something on the inside of you that is shifting, amen, to the accurate position, to the accurate, you know, dimension of God's counsel and God's will. If that is not happening, whatever we're trying to do on the outside will not make lasting impact. It may make an impact where people are going to come and shout and scream and dance and jump, amen, hallelujah, praise God. They may get excited, you know, excited for the moment is a momentary thing. The Bible says that which is before us is not momentary. What we are aiming for, what we are searching for, what we are looking for is not a momentary thing. We are building to last. We are building for eternity. We are building something that will bring creation to the place, hallelujah, of redemption. That is what we are building for. That's what we are worrying for. We are not building to just have another place, another name, another, you know, influence, another, you know, uh, um, parish somewhere, another church somewhere. You know, I was saying this yesterday and I guess one of my brother in the Redeemed Church didn't really like what I was saying because I was saying it. Look at in my place, Redeemed Church, they're all over the place. They say, we want to cover every street with church. Have they changed the nation of Nigeria? Have they changed the nation of Nigeria? Building churches all around does not, does not change a nation. You've got to, you've got to, you've got to come into the principles of the word of God. You've got to be that seed. You've got to be, hallelujah, that yeast in the door. He said, God influence the world. God transform the world. He didn't say build church. He said, I will build my church. He didn't ask you to build church for him. He said, I will build my church. I, if it's Christ building this church, I tell you, no gates, no, no ISIS, no Boko Haram, no power, no spirit can stop. Today, pastors are afraid. Have you seen men of God with bodyguards? Bodyguards. Real bodyguards. AK-47. Men of God. Where is the God of Elijah. Where is the God that answers by fire? Where is the God that led his people by the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night? Come on, tell me, where is that God? Is that not what Gideon said? If he said, I must stand to be a deliverer, where is the God our father told us about? Come on, show me that God before I open my mouth. Is a day we need to begin to ask questions? Is it because when we begin to ask the right question, we get to the right answer? 
If we start asking the right question, we will get to the. You see, if you don't, if you are in a in a, in a situation, a condition where you are not allowed to ask question, and that's it. You know, we come to church, then our mind is shut down. <laughs> they say certain things you can't say. Certain things, thank you, wrote to me. Certain things you cannot say. Be quiet. I <laughs> know uh, these these are words for the bishops and the apostles and the pastors. Ah, if you're in a church and you cannot ask questions, you cannot ask, ask intelligent questions. If you're in a place where all right, the men of God cannot interact with you intelligently with regards to issues, with regards to things, what are you doing there? Because you, you, you didn't go to church all right, all right, to be in prison. I, was, I, I shared a scripture, was it this morning? I can't remember if it was this morning or yesterday. Galatians chapter 5. It said for freedom. Jesus said for freedom, for freedom, for freedom have I set you free. For freedom have I set you free. In fact, I'm going to read that scripture. For freedom. We cannot come into the company of the, of, of the house of God and become, you know, and become blind and become imprisoned and lack the knowledge, lack the insight, lack the understanding. Basically, it's like we become blind the moment we come to church. I'm just looking for my eyeglasses. Bear with me. Oh, hallelujah. Excuse me. Here's the word of the Lord. Yes, what Jesus said. He said, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. For freedom. What does that mean? He said, for freedom as Christ set us free. He didn't set you free, amen, to become, to become religiously bound, to lick the feet of men, to fidget and be afraid when, when the man of God appears or when, you know, you, you come to church. That the only time you, you express freedom is when you're worshiping God. But everything after that is like you, you are shut down, shut down. What an atmosphere. He said for freedom. And the first definition of freedom is the ability to think. One of the things that apartheid did, all right, in the days of the apartheid regime in South Africa, was to limit the freedom of people. And one of the ways they limited the freedom of people is to limit, is to limit all right, their, 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 their contact with information. They limited that. There are certain things you know. There are certain things. You say you go to school. Yes, there are certain things they teach you. But they don't teach you everything. They don't teach you as they would teach the white man. Come on. It seems that's the way our pastors today, you know, our pastoring. We'll give you freedom until this point. We'll give you truth until this level. But a truth that will bring the people to a day where they can begin to see the same way the, the man of God see. Uh -uh, they, will share, they will not share that with you. You see, that's why heaven is breaking down the walls. That's why heaven is breaking down religion. That's why I keep saying the way we define church today right, has been more of, of an imprisonment to the people that actually bringing the people to freedom. So if you're, if you're a member of Redeem, you're a member of, you know, Winner's Chapel and all these all this religious circles that have become circles. If, you, if you're listening to me, you better listen well because I'm after you. Because you've imprisoned the people of God. You've shut down the mind of the people. You've, in, you've caged the mind of the people. All you do is to show them miracles. A miracle that only limits them. It's like, it's like you're trying to, you know, you, you, you're trying to get a dog. And you, you put, you, you know, you, you, you put some, um, some nice meats, you know, and a rope. All right? 
and, and you throw it to the dog and the dog is coming, you know, while the dog is smelling the meat, it's coming closer and you keep pulling the rope, you keep pulling the rope and the dog thinks, oh, tomorrow I'm going to get that miracle. Oh, tomorrow I'm going to, and you keep pulling the thing, you keep pulling the thing. Oh, next tomorrow I'm going to try. They say, try harder, pray harder, pray harder. You find people pray 40 days, 20 days, or 21 days, prayer and fasting. God must do it for me. God has done it for you. You are blind. You're in a blind house. You're in a blind house. I've got some of my children. I mean, we lay foundation for them. Wrote to me, you know this. We lay good foundation for them. You have some of them in Redeem. You have some of them in Winner's Chapel. What are they doing there? With the kind of foundation I lay down for them. I lay down my life in building and training them. Only for them to end up in Redeem. What are you doing there? You better get out of that place before I begin to send you curse. You better shift your mind from that not nothing thing. That's not a church. That's an that's a house of Pharaoh. That's a house of imprisonment. I didn't implant kingdom truth for you for, for you to end up in, in winners' chapel, for you to end up in redeem. They say they give you pastoral position. You see, that's what they do. Those guys are dangerous. They are dangerous. They are very dangerous. Once they know that you've got a little bit of sight, then they give you a title. They give you a title. The title is not to free you. It's not for you to have liberty. No. It's for them to cage you. It's for them to imprison you. They give you a title. They give you a position. Then they give you a color. Whatever it is. Listen to me. You better remove that color right now. You better remove that bandage and come into the day of the Lord. I'm talking about how to engage the day of the Lord with an unveiling veil face this is the day of the lord there has to be a shift thank you there has to be a shift of mindset mindset is what defines your belief system mindset defines your agenda it defines what you are running after what you are seeking for we can no longer do church the way church has been done today that thing is not going to produce the eternal counsel of god for freedom jesus said i've set you free It is for freedom that Christ set us free. It says, stand firm. Stand, Paul said to the Galatians. Now, what I'm dealing with is what Paul was dealing with in his day to the Galatians. I'm not saying something different. This is not some new doctrine. I'm only repeating what the scripture said. This is what Paul said in the day he was dealing with the Corinthians. In the, look at it. He was challenging all those fat cows of Bashan. He was challenging all those Pharisees. He was challenging amen, the false doctrine that has infiltrated the house of God. He was challenging amen, a system that said, well, you can sleep with your mother and still be a, you know, a leader in the church. You can, you can steal money and bring it as a tithe and still be a leader. He was challenging this thing. He was challenging those who stands against the holy order of God, who stand against the victory, you know, the, the doctrines of truth. Paul was challenging these people. He, was, he, he wasn't parling with them. And the reason why he could challenge them, because one, he know the truth. Secondly, he doesn't want anything from them. You see, if I want something from you, then I, I can't speak the way I'm speaking. Because you're not going to invite me. <laughs> I'm not looking for invita invitation. Thank God, Alleluia, for Facebook Live. Thank God for YouTube. Thank God, Alleluia, for platforms where we can broadcast. We're paying to broadcast. And people are accessing our broadcasts from different parts of, of the world. I was checking in on my stocks a few, few days ago. People from Egypt, Pakistan, Russia, they, they, they are accessing our material online. Who is asking for invitation? I'm not looking for your invitation. I'm talking about in the day we need to raise the standard. 
We need to raise the standard. Somebody, somebody said yesterday, if Jesus is if, if God says raising the standard, Jesus is the standard. And I, I'm reading that and I'm saying, this person must be blind. Because you don't understand that in Jesus there are dimensions. In Jesus there are realms. In Jesus there are heights. In Jesus there are, there are depths. In Jesus, oh my good God, there are mountains. In Jesus there are locations. I've shared that before about the kingdom of God. When you say kingdom of God, you think that the word kingdom is just a name. The kingdom of God, come on, is an expression of the, of the eternities of God. The kingdom of God is the expression of the eternities. The, not just, I didn't say eternity. Eternities. There are eternities in God. There are heavens in God. There are stars in God. There are suns in God. Come on. There are, there are planets in God. There are realms in God. There are dimensions in God. So when you hear kingdom, you better, you, you better run back. You better be afraid because that thing means more than you, you will ever believe. That word that word kingdom means more than your mind will ever comprehend the word kingdom means more than everything you will ever learn and know in life kingdom of god that dimension that houses everything that the father expresses in creation in humanity in redemption you know what it takes to save a soul Stand firm. Are you standing firm? I'm standing firm. I'm standing firm. You see, when you stand firm like this, people are going to run away from you. <laughs> you see, that guy is crazy. They run away from you. They hate you. They throw stone at you. They stop supporting you. They, they take their money away. They say, oh, don't support him. Let's dry him up. <laughs> when you dig a well, then they fill the well with sand. Then God said, go dig another one. Then they fill it with sound until God brings you to a ray of butt. I'm, 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 I'm heading for that ray of butt where God has made a room for me. A room that no man can take. So whatever you want to take from me, you better take it now. Take it all. I don't want it. As long as you cannot take my right, you cannot take my right to speak. As long as you cannot take my right to stand for God. As long as you cannot take my right to proclaim the day of the Lord. I'm saying to you, the day of the Lord, the kingdom of God is near you. Repent. That was what John said. What, what an order of man. Stand firm. Stand firm. Then, and do not, listen to this, I'm still reading Galatians chapter 5 verse 1 it says stand firm then and do not let yourself you see don't say well you see it is circumstance well is the man well you see i didn't really know what was going on <laughs> you see circumstance pushed me there circumstance didn't push you there i mean there are all kinds of things circumstance will have pushed me to do sometimes i feel like doing certain things i just feel like just because you're so tired you're so you, you know you feel tired you feel sometimes you just feel as if nothing is working out but when, when the word of God comes back to you, when the reality of truth hits your mind again, then you realize and say, no, 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 no. I've come too far. I've invested too far to, to, to step down, to stoop low, to come down. No, no, I'm not going to do it. If I have to be the only man standing, then let me be the last man standing. Don't give yourself. This is what Paul is saying to the Galatians. Don't give yourself. Compromise. Stand firm. Do not let yourself be burdened again 
by the yoke of slavery. The yoke of slavery. The yoke of slavery. What is the yoke of slavery in our day? It's called religious elitism. Religious superiority. Where we worship men who claim they are representing God. Where we worship things. And we worship titles. And we worship, you know, positions. And we worship locations. We worship, excuse me, we worship what we've achieved. Hallelujah. We worship these things. It's called the yoke of slavery. Sincerely, if you, if you ask me, and I'm asking you, <clears throat> sincerely, how many people are truly free in the church today? Just think about what I'm saying. How many people can confidently say they are free? How many people can walk up to their pastor, to their leader, to their bishop and say, look, sir, I've got something I need to share and I want to share this in, in honesty. I don't like the way things are running because when I look at scripture, I say that the way we do things are not the way, you know, you know the scripture says, it. sir, can we change the order? Can, can, we, can we go back to the word of God? Do you think anybody can say that to their bishop? They will call down fire on such a person. When, after they call down fire, they will excommunicate that person out of the church. It's like that even in the days of the Pharisee. They said, who healed you? <laughs> Can you imagine? Somebody received miracle, received healing by Jesus Christ. His parents were afraid to say it was Jesus that healed the man. Because they knew that the moment they acknowledged that it is Jesus, guess what? They will be cast out of the temple. They say, when you are cast out of the temple, <laughs> it's dry out there. It's dry out there. Is green in here. Listen to this. Until you leave, you will never know how green it is on the other side. What am I saying? I say there has to be a day of holy, holy rebellion. It's in the holy rebellion that we are going to have the spirit of reformation. There is no reformation, hallelujah, without the people rebelling against the elitism of the day, against amen, the wickedness of men. There is no reformation. We talk about the third day reformation. Go read about the history of reformation. The people, the people, the people who fought to give you what you have today. Listen to this. They paid with their life. The people who rose against, amen, the papacy, who rose against the Catholic Church, who rose against, hallelujah, you know, the, 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 the royal elitism of their, of their generation, they paid, read the scripture in the book of Hebrews. The Bible says, the Bible says the world was not worthy of them. They were wanderers. They were hiding in caves, in dens. Come on. They were being sun asunder. Their lives today, hallelujah, has become a reflection of the custodians of the truth that you have. Somebody paid Paid with their life for the truth, for the word of God. Do you know that the preservation of the word of God, do you and I have to, they will say is the Bible. Some people, hallelujah, literally paid with their life to hide the word of God. When the Roman Catholic Church, hallelujah, began to persecute the church, when they wanted to destroy everything Christianity stands for, except that which you know, aligns with what they believe. Listen to me. People lost their wife, they lost their husband, they, loved their ch they lost their children. Some people lost entire family running around for the word of God. Today you've come to a place of rest. 
You can come to a church in the name of democracy and lift up your hand. Do you know that till today in some countries, you cannot, you cannot do what I'm doing right now. There will be soldiers waiting outside to carry you. But the days have come, we're no longer afraid of that. Because if you're afraid of it, I can kill the flesh. But I can't kill the spirit and the soul and cast it into the lake of fire. Listen to me. Then you don't understand what Christianity is all about. This is the day where we are rising with the spirit of truth. Come on. We are the ones that have overcome. We have overpowered death. Death has no power over us. Because he, hallelujah, who has overcome death has given us the victory. What am I saying? It's a new day. It's a new day. It's a new day. It is a new day in the body of Christ. It's a new day in the church. It's a new day in the house of God. It's a new day and we've got to engage this day with the spirit of truth. With the spirit of integrity. Yes, we've been looking at the whole concept. Yesterday I spoke about about that a little bit. We've got to strip ourselves of every falsehood. We've got to strip ourselves Heaven wants to strip us of everything that we stand for that does not represent the counsel of God. It may be working for you, but it doesn't represent the counsel of God. Listen to this. Listen to this. The fact that something works for you does not mean it's approved of God. Have you heard the statement? <clears throat> you cannot fight. You cannot fight us. How do they say? You cannot fight. Uh, uh, um, you know, reality. You can't fight what, what is real. You, you, you can't fight what, what is working. It's the way they say it. You see, I don't remember all these things. But there's something they say about that. You, you, you cannot challenge what is working. I can challenge it. Listen to this. Listen to this. The end does not justify the means in the order of the kingdom. The means justify the end. The end does not justify the means. My salute, sir. My brother Nathan. The end does not justify the means. It is, it is the process that justifies the end. If you ever think the end, the end justifies the means, then you don't understand anything about the kingdom of God. You, you, you don't understand anything about the counsel of God. The end does not justify the means. If the end justifies the means, then after Jesus rose from the, you know, from the, from the grave, hallelujah, resurrected and ascended, the job should have been end. That, that should have been the end of the world. If that was what he want, wanted, that should have been where we finish everything. The end does not justify the means. The means justify the end. It is the root and the path that heaven is taking you through. It is the tightness. It is the pain. It is the suffering that justifies the end. You think God is, God is about how you finish? You think God is about success? Success is the process. It is the man and the way, the values, the standard you go through to get to that end. That is to God's success. Listen, listen to this. God doesn't need you to have the scripture to bless you. Why does he need to? Why, why does he? Why, why, why is God taking you through certain things to bring you to the place called breakthrough, success? You think God is just about success? No, 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 no. It's about something that you surrender to. It's about process that you yield yourself to. Jesus said, 
the Bible says concerning Jesus, he learned obedience by the things, by the things, by the things. Jesus learned obedience by the things he suffered. Somebody said, well, God forbid, suffering is not part of my portion. You don't understand kingdom. Suffering is what process you, is what makes you a true vessel. Listen to this. Yes, yes. The way we define you know, suffering and success is changing. Because you see, when you come to the order of the kingdom, your value, your template, your concept of interpretation, even of truth changes. It changes. It changes. Amen. Thank you, my brother. I'm reading. I'm trying to read what you're writing. Listen, we've got to understand. We've got to understand this thing. If we want to see the church of God emerge, if we want to see the true ecclesia come forth, show forth in this day where the world is plunged into blindness, there is, there is issues all across the globe. There is issues all across the world. There are issues all across our community. And they are asking for the saviors. Where are the saviors? Where is the church? We are nowhere to be found. We are nowhere to be found. You know why? Because we have left our duty. And we are representing something else. We are representing something else that does not reflect our, our calling, our, 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 our place and our authority in God. You see, you can no longer abuse amen, the anointing of God, the grace of God, and the giftings of God to do your own. You know, you can no longer, heaven will no longer allow that. That's why, you see, as they're calling the church to the place of renovation, the church that will be released into, hallelujah, the space of the third day, Kalabayanda. The church that will emerge in this 21st century beyond, listen to this, will be a church that will do only the bidding of God, that the gift of God will no longer be abused, Kalabayanda, that the counsel of God will stand and they will see it manifest in every sphere of life. That's why they're they going to begin to shut you down. They will shut down the anointing. Shut it down. Some of us, you know, as preachers, we're just going to realize that we can't preach again. You're going to go mute for a season. It's called Zachariah. What's the boy's name? Mm. What name do you want to give him? Mm. How do you want us to do this? Thing? Mm. The man of God is going to be shut down. The church is going to be shut down. They will shut you down so that you don't tamper with this thing heaven is declaring. Come on. I don't know who I'm talking to. But I know I'm talking to a generation. A generation that must be prepared. For that which the father wants to do in this season. We've got to come to a day, hallelujah, where we surrender to the, to the bidding of God. Where we yield ourselves to the counsel of God. Where we completely, totally, totally. I told you some time ago. You take the microphone of the church or the business, whatever you're doing, whatever position. You see, because God is after those in leadership. God is after those in leadership. You see, because if you can fix leadership, you can fix a nation. You see, when, when, when a nation goes into war, it's because there's a bad leader. When a nation is in farming, it's because there's a bad leader. Uh-uh, come on, Isaiah. I said when there is trouble in the house is because there is bad leadership in the house. Whatever, whatever, whatever space you find yourself and things are not working. Is it that there's a bad leadership or sometimes there are bad followers? You see, 
Because sometimes, you know, a leader will stand and be saying the right thing, but the followers don't want to do it. At that point, what you do? You stand on your own and continue to declare. Amen. So, in the eyes of the world, they may say, well, he's a bad leader. But in the eyes of God, he's actually a good leader because he's declaring things. He's proclaiming the truth. It's just that the followers are eating from somewhere else. They're listening to something else. They are being drawn away. It's the prodigal son. Yes. <laughs> he's been captured by, you know, by the influence of the friend. By, you know, by what is going on in society. When the father is telling him, that's not the way to do it. That's not the, this is not the time for you to have the thing. No, no. I'm not going to give you now. You've got to learn to wait. You've got to be. Hey, why don't you wait till you get to 21 before you get that car? Come on, wait. No, he said, no, 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 daddy. I can ride a car. I have what it takes. My friend, my friend, my friend just got 16. His father bought him a car. Why can't I have a car? You want the car? You can have it. Unfortunately, that car is going to be your detriment. It's going to be the downfall of your life. That car may cause you to lose one leg. You see, it's not about the thing. It's about maturity. It's about the timing of God. It's about the processes of God. And that's what we're talking about. So in leadership, we've got to understand that when we fix leadership, we fix a generation. Our society today has become almost like a fatherless society with men all around. We've got leaders. We've got men all around, but there's no leadership. You see, the fact that, you know, you're in a position of influence does not make you a leader. The fact that you're in a position of influence doesn't make you a leader. The position does not make the leader. It is the initiative that makes the leader. It is the initiative of the person. It is the ability for the person to see and see and make decisions before things begin to happen. That's what, you see, when you begin to do that, every true leader is seldom called out of, hallelujah, a responsibility. If you look at all the people Jesus chose, they were doing something. They were engaging something. Amen. They were busy. Amen. In the field, in the marketplace, Jesus would call them, you know, from farming. He would call them, amen, from fishery. Amen. They were all doing something and they were all leaders in their own right. But he took their leadership to another dimension. He said, come follow me. Come follow me. I want to make you fishes of, fishes of men. Not just fishermen. I want to make you. My good God. When God starts, you know, downloading into your heart, into your mind, the, the blueprint, amen, of fishing men, you become a true leader. Today, we want to remain in fishing fish. We've perfected the order of, you know, fishery. <laughs> because fishery is about the economy of men. You see, fishery is about the economy of men. Fishing men is about the economy of the kingdom. Oh, you didn't hear me? Fishing is about the economy of men. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone. Yes, I know we need bread. I know we need bread to have strength. I mean, I need bread to have strength to do what I'm doing. I need bread. But Jesus said, you shall not live by bread alone. If you depend on bread alone, if you depend on your salary, you depend on your income, you depend on what somebody says to you, you depend on your family, you depend on what is going on around you, you depend on what your society, your country, your nation is providing for you. You know, the, you know, the, you know, you know, you know what I'm talking about? All, all those uh, uh, um, uh, welfare, you know, uh, substance cities and what, what, what have you, all those things that we depend on, amen, the, the Bible call them, amen, bread and they're good but guess what, you don't live by them alone if your sight is merely fixative on just the economy that sustain you, you will never step into the day of the economy of the kingdom of God 
Thanks, Lady Barbara. So I'm, seeing, I'm seeing you. Thank you for joining. You will never come into the economy of the kingdom of God. The economy of the kingdom is about the hearts of men. It's about the intentions of the Father. It's about, hallelujah, the desire, the intentions, the, the eternities of God. It's about God's prophetic counsel. That is the economy of the kingdom. The economy of the kingdom, hallelujah, is not about raising one million US dollars. You sit, I mean, how can you stand in a church as a woman of God? And you say you want ev- your members to, you know, to, to, to give you 1,000 US dollars each. Something must be wrong with you upstairs. Which kingdom are you building? We've got to raise the standard. And we cannot raise the standard if our voice, amen, is shut. If we can't speak. If we cannot declare. If we have allowed mammon to shut us down, we've allowed, amen, you know, the, 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 the size of men, the big manism, the robe of men and their rings and their chains, their, you know, their crucifix chain, you know, and the, and the purple robes and the big cars and the aircraft to shut our voice. Then we are men most miserable. That's what the Bible says. If our redemption and our desire is just to inherit things in this earth, we are men most miserable. We've lost our sight. We've lost our calling. We've lost our position. Paul said, I fought beast in Ephesus. I fought beast. You think fighting beast in Ephesus is about just winning Ephesus? There is something more about God, hallelujah, that he wants to see manifest in Ephesus. That's why we will fight Diana. We will fight, amen, all this God. We will raise the standard against the prince of Persia. Why do you think God deploy men? It's men across the nations. It's to stand against the high places. I told you, I'm not after your church. Your church is too small. For what God is doing. I'm after what defines the atmosphere of your church. I'm after the thing that culture. What you preach in your church. I'm after what defines the meat you put on the table. For the people in your church. I'm after that thing. And I want the head of that thing. I want it. You give the head of that thing to me. On the platter of gold. Not after your church. There are, there are people on earth. They will never. They, God is, in fact, heaven is taking them out of the church. To pastor the church. <laughs> You're going to understand that someday. Heaven is calling them out of the church. To be, halalayatoshianda. To be a voice to the church. God said to me, Isaiah, you've gone beyond pastoring a church. I need you now to pastor the church for me. You see, you can pastor a church, but you have no sight to pastor the church. Heaven is calling people, is winning them, is drawing them out of the multitude and say, You guys, you've got to, you've got to, you've got to come to a new level because I want you to be an oversight to the revelation that is being deployed into the house. I want you to be the watchman, hallelujah, over the city of Johannesburg, over the city of Cape Town, over the city of Lagos, over the city, hallelujah, of New York, hallelujah, over the city of Washington, D.C. Leave the church, leave the building, take your place in the high place. Arrest my case. Take your place over the sphere. They are called watchers, watchmen. They partner with the spirit of the cherubims. 
They interact with the seraphims. They are called sons of God that are not known by mortal men. They live in a place called immortality because their spirit has become one with the spirit of the almighty God. And they flow into nations as rivers. They are called sons of God. They are not people. They are spirit flowing like rivers for the healing of the nations. These are the people heaven is calling in this new day. You've got to understand that. I'm beyond your pastor. I'm beyond your, your bishop. I'm beyond where I function. Is beyond far beyond your apostolic grace, your prophetic grace. You've got to understand this. If nobody has cultured you, if you have not been orientated about, about, hallelujah, the ministry, the ministry spirits of God, you've got to understand this. There are people who stand, hallelujah, to guard and to watch what the fivefold do. You see, they have been plucked out of the fivefold. They've become elders at the gate. They have become what? Elders at the gates. They have become watchmen on the wall. They are the, they are the guardians of the city. They are the guardians of the city. They've become the portal of what, hallelujah, heaven wants to do in the next dimension of his agenda in the earth. That every time the father says, we've got to shift things in the earth. Then they summon these guys. Then they summon these beings called sons of God. You preach sons of God. You don't, you blind. You don't even understand what sonship means. <laughs> In the days where sons gather, that Lucifer himself is gathering, what are you going to be doing? What are you going to be saying? And Lucifer is countering everything you're saying. And you say, I'm a son. And Lucifer, Lucifer is saying, shut up. I was a first son. In fact, I was, I was the morning star. Do you have a revelation to challenge that? Have you been taken to a place in the spirit that is beyond where Lucifer can tread? That is beyond where angels, hallelujah, can come. There is a realm, there is a place where angels are afraid to go. Yet, there's a dimension of God in the earth, hallelujah, carried by mortal men in the spirit of immortality that will lead angels into realms in the spirit. So, but these guys, they don't have wings. They don't have wings that you can see. But they've become the wind you cannot see. Guidance of the city. That's who we are. We watch and we determine the temperature. We determine the temperature. We determine the spiritual temperature of a city. That's who we are. You can't stop that. From a house where I'm 51 Lamont, I am guiding city. I am guiding the city of Cape Town. You don't need to know me. You don't have to know me. I don't need to introduce myself to you. Because you're answerable to one only, one only. You see, this is a this is a dimension of a one man's ministry. They call you out of the multitude. It's called Philip. That's a Philip order. They called him out of the multitude. I mean, they just had a major breakthrough. Major, major breakthrough. The whole dome is filled. The whole house is filled. Everybody's jubilating in the city. Wow, there is harvest in the kingdom. Look at 3,000 souls. They say, Philip, the job is done. Go to Gaza. <laughs> Go wait there. Go position yourself at Gaza. Do you think our men of God can listen? They will respond to such a voice in our day. The guy's been praying for 20 years for breakthrough. Finally, 
3,000 souls in one day came to his church. They're already thinking of the logistics. Oh my good God. The logistics of 3,000 people. How are we going to feed these people? <laughs> you know, that was, that was the issue of the disciples of Jesus. I mean, is that not what is killing pastors? The logistics of, of, of handling 500 people. <laughs> they go crazy. They can't handle 500 people. They can't handle 3,000 people. Now they want to handle the nation. They want to handle the city. No wonder they are blind. He who is not faithful in little, much cannot be committed to him or her. They say, leave the 3,000 people. You see, I told you, when you begin to approach the day of the kingdom, your template, your concept of thinking, your value system starts changing. You see, you no longer look at numbers. You see, numbers will run you to hell. Numbers will take your soul. Positions, bread, only ministry <laughs> will shut you, will shut your eyes, will shut your capacity from accessing the things of God. I mean, here's a man, you would define him as successful. 3,000 people one day. Everybody's running around. Where are we going to buy bread? Where are we going to, where, how, are we, how are we going to clothe this? You know, because that's ministry to us. Come on. You know, let's start uh, a prayer group ministry. You know, you've got to start, you know, uh, uh, you've got to start the discipleship class for this guy. You've got to, you've got to have the, you know, women's, uh, women's leadership group. You know, you've got to do the men's group out of 3,000. My God, out of 3,000, you can build all kinds of ministry from 3,000 people. All kinds of ministry finance group ministry um, holier than thou ministry international evangelistic ministry uh, missions ministry you know you know how we name those ministry out of 3,000 people my good God you can come to rest but you know what they said Philip you've got to now leave the 3,000 just think of think of how Philip must be feeling <laughs> but Philip knew better it left the day of celebration. It left the mist of, you know, the euphoria of victory and breakthrough. That was the first point where the church of God began to make impact in the land. That was the first major breakthrough, basically, you would say. But you see, the Lord is not just about who comes to the church. The Lord is about a person that will take the church to the nation. Oh my God. The Lord is not just about who comes to the church. He is more interested about who comes to the church and will take the church to the nation. So the Lord said to Philip, you leave this one here. There is a man coming from the church, but he's blind. He's clueless. He's coming from Jerusalem, the house of God, the place of, you know, religious worship. But he, he lacks no understanding. Before he takes that ignorance back to, you know, Ethiopia, I want you to go relay him on the road. I want you, amen, to invade him on the road and I want you to bring him into alignment. I want you to align Phillips. Go to the road, the road of Gaza. Check the ratio from 3,000 to 1. How many, I keep saying this, how many pastors will leave their, their congregation? You've built the church. You've equipped it. Everything, everything is done. And they say, leave it. 
now go somewhere else and start. No, 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 they don't do that. They would rather send, you know, a, a pastor there. <laughs> go there. Go pastor that house that we just started. We will send you funds. No, God didn't call that person. He didn't send that person. He's sending you. You see, the template of how we do church, I keep telling you, is wrong. It's a Babylonian pattern. That's how Babylonians, Bab- Babylonians think. They use people. They say, leave the thing. You've done your, you've done your work. Leave it. Move to the next level. I mean, like I've, I've been saying this, I still have some of my children back there in Nigeria today who would not talk to me because they felt I abandoned them. They felt pastor left us. So when you see people on Facebook call me pastor, you know that they're my children. I don't, I, I don't go around saying I've got children. I, I'm not into that naughty thing. Our, our daddy, our pastor, our, <laughs> I'm not into all that. They are my disciples and they are the children I travel in birth until Christ was forming them. When the time came for me to leave Lagos to South Africa, you've got to move. You've got to move. You cannot stay back. You can't hold back. Lest that which you touch, you've come into that have become your, your, your joy, your praise, becomes your place of death. You see, when you begin to develop kingdom mindset, your ability to adjust quickly and fast to the will of God, to the counsel of God, is fast-tracked. Phillips went to the road Gaza. Wondering and waiting. No single sound. No human being. All he was hearing is the birds are singing. From the noise of men. From the place where men are carrying him and you know, pushing him, jumping, you know, celebrating this guy, this great evangelist. Hallelujah. This great evangelist with his daughters that are prophetess. I mean, what a day. From that sound to the place. And hardly hear anything. But that is the place the Father wants him to be. When the season change, you better know how to unclothe yourself and put on the cloth. You see, the first cloth you must wear before you wear any other cloth is the cloth, is the cloth of humility. You must wear that one. When. when you wear that cloak of humility, It prepares you for the next assignment. As you ride on the wave of the changing season, humility must proceed. Humility must go before you. Because humility gives you the heart to receive whatever is coming. The Lord gives, the Lord takes. Blessed be his holy name. That's one of the most accurate prayer a mortal man can pray. Some people do not believe that the Lord takes. If you believe that the devil can take from you, then you've been lied to. (laughs) If you ever believe that the devil can take anything from you, then you are the most blind person as a Christian. Let me put it that way. Because the truth is, whatever God gives to you, not a million devil can take it, except he permits it. Sailor. Except God permits it. Satan has no power over death. 
No. Jesus said, no man takes my life from me. I willingly lay it down. As it is, so you are. If your day to die comes, nobody takes it from you. Death is a spirit. You, you address the spirit. Check all the men, all the vessels that God used, how they died. They knew it. Peter said, I, I perceive that I'm about to, you know, unclothe this dimension, this mortality, this, excuse me, this, you know, mot, you know mot, 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 mortal realm. I'm about to leave this cloth. I'm, I'm about to wear immortality. So he said, I need to remind you of the things I've been telling you about. But I want to bring your mind to what is called the present truth. Even though you say you know those things. But let me, let me remind you of these things the Father is emphasizing. Since I'm about to leave, they know, they know. Paul said, I'm, I'm, I'm in between two orders. Should I stay or should I go? You see, we're no longer afraid of death. At least not me. I'm not afraid of death. I told you, I've told you this story before. Okay, for some who don't know the story. Years back while I was, you know, just about starting ministry this was early 90 i believe this will be 93 that about you know staying with my friend falashadi and i was in thank you man of god for coming i was just lying down preparing okay for this new thing heaven wants to do in my life ministry you know you just finished bible school you're fresh zealous I was, you know, doing my 21 days fasting, you know, getting ready for into ministry. <clears throat> and what happened was, as I was lying down with a cousin of mine, my eyes wide open. I saw this being entered my room. Just appeared. No, not entered, appeared. Actually appeared in my room. At the corner of my room, you know, I could see this being looking, you know, all dark. But I could see the shape and looking down on me and this being said to me I am death and they asked me to bring you <laughs> I'm telling you I'm telling you before God and man this is the truth this being said to me I am death and they asked me to bring you at this point I was conscious but my voice has been ceased so I couldn't say anything I knew what I was saying I was calling Jesus in my mind but I was trying to get the words out. The words were not coming out. So I, I tried to, you know, tap on my cousin that was sleeping. And say, Bola, please, can you get up and pray? Can you get up? I was trying to call this, pray, pray, pray. But he couldn't hear me. I was still pushing him. You know, I feel almost like I was paralyzed. I couldn't speak. I couldn't say. I would assume that's how, you know, people who, who suffer, you know, paralysis. I'm sure that's how they feel. But, I mean, so I was struggling struggling this thing is looking down he's saying to me and i'm hearing this word loud and clear i am death and they asked me to bring you and that word while i'm calling jesus 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 you know from my heart you know jesus, jesus i want the words to come out but the words is not coming out but i was calling that jesus so what i did was i just shut myself from what i'm seeing and more like i went into myself and i began to say jesus you called me. You called me. You called me. I'm not ready to die. You called me. And the word just burst out of my mouth like a river. Jesus! I'm not going to die. Go tell them that I'm not ready to die. Go tell them. And that thing disappeared. That day I knew I had overcome the spirit of death. Was I afraid in other things? Yes. But death, no. I'm not afraid to die. You know why? Because I know I'm a saint one. 
I'm a called one. Not only am I called, I'm a sent one. And so you will hear me say, people have heard me say this several times, that wherever, wherever, wherever I go, wherever I go, wherever I go, wherever I'm going, I always say that if there's an accident there, and they say Isaiah Phillips, I quintalize one of them, the next thing they will say is that it survived. If everyone died there, no, 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 it's not me. If I die, I will come back to life there. Because the spirit that defines death, I have overcome that. But the flip side is, you don't go to where heaven has not sent you. If you're going to continue to walk in such a power, then you've got to understand the protocols and the values that guide that wisdom. I don't go to where heaven has not sent me. If you go to where heaven has not sent you, you cannot stand and make a declaration that you're not going to die because you are out of covering. <laughs> you didn't hear me. You know, you go to a place where, you know, you know, you, there, there's no empty and there's no Vodacom covering you. It's only Celsius. <laughs> and you know how it is. You don't get signal. I don't know how it is in other countries, but I know Celsius signal. Yeah, God help them. They're trying. Uh-uh. You, you don't get coverage. Amen. There's no signal. You can't pick things by the spirit because you are out of covering. You are out of coverage. That's how it is in the spirit realm. A lot of men of God are out of coverage. So they go to certain realms. They go to certain place. In the name of ministry. We're doing ministry. How are we going to go? We're taking the nation. Did God send you there? God said go into all the nations and preach the gospel. But you've got to know the nation he's sending you to. God sent me to South Africa. I'm a voice to this land. Do I have jurisdiction over the earth? Yes. But my first call is this nation. And so nothing that can, can the devil do to stop me or to hinder me. I don't care the persecution. I don't care, you know, what people think about me. I don't care if they like me or they don't like me. No, they didn't send me here. God sent me. He's made me a voice to this nation. I'm a voice of one crying in the wilderness of South Africa. Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight his path. No death, no power, no religious spirit, no tradition. Amen. No traditionalist, no force, no power, no, no devil, no religious power can stop. Or the Lord has called me to proclaim. I told you I came to this nation. I didn't come by my own power. A voice appeared to me. A young man. My dream. He said to me. My vision. South Africa need engineers. South Africa needs engineers. South Africa need. Come over to South Africa. They need engineers. And I, and I, I replied that voice. I said but I'm not an engineer. You see because I was thinking in the human realm. I'm not an engineer. Only when I woke up. The Lord began to speak to me about the dream and said, but you're an engineer. The work you've been doing from the day, amen, I called into the ministry is a day, is a work of an engineer. You've, you've been engineering, you've been, you've been constructing the things I've been showing you. You've been building lives, you've been transforming people. That's the work of an engineer. An engineer does two things, alright? He's the only one that knows how to destroy things. If you want to destroy anything, you call engineers. They will destroy that thing in a way that will not cause casualty. And secondly, amen, they will build you know, the first engineers actually came out of the military. You know that, that the first engineers, first builders, amen? In fact, the, 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 the whole idea of engineering came out of military. Is it? They know how to destroy things and they know how to build things. If you, want, if you want the best of the best of the best bridge to be built, go look for military guys. They will build it for you accurately. If you want, if you want amen, the best of the best doctors, 
go look for military doctors. You see, anything you do in the military, you do it at the, at the top notch. You do it at the best. They're the best. What am I saying? Amen. In the day of the advancement of God, in the days of the advancement of the things of God, amen, we advance in the spirit of warfare. But we don't just have advanced in warfare. Our warfare, amen, is to pull down, is to cast down, amen, and to do what? To restore and to build. He said, this day I have appointed you as a prophet over the nation. You are entering nations. As you are entering nations, you will be engaging with the powers of darkness. You will be engaging with principality. You will be engaging with the high places. The Bible says, amen, in the days of King Ezekiah, in the days of, you know, King, uh, what's his other king now? The Bible says, they did great things for God. They built things, but they did not touch the high place. No, not Isaiah. I'm called to touch the high place. The high place, hallelujah, that allow women in South Africa, amen, to go naked in the name of tradition. And then, amen, on the other hand, you still find that in this country, amen, women are the most abused people. You still find children being raped and abused. And yet, we have a tradition that says, well, in a certain occasion, in a certain season, women can come in the name of their ex- ex- exposing or displaying their virginity. You expose, amen, their sacredness. You expose them. You expose their body. You expose their breast. And, and people come and watch and you say that that is a part of tradition. Listen to me. That's a high place. You've got to touch it and it has to come down. You say it's women's month. The women are all running to you know, the, the, the president to do something. He's, yeah, he's going to do something. But for him to do something, he's got to go to the king to the Zululand. He's going to go to the Z- I say, hey mister, you've got to look into this tradition. This is the 21st century for goodness sake. You've got to change this order. Our children can no longer be exposed. Our women can no longer be exposed. You say we- women are not honored. They are not respected. Why would they be honored and respected? When people can come from Korea, they can come from China, they can come from all African countries and come watch our women naked. Is the pastors talking about these things? Are the pastors talking about these things? No, no, we don't need to talk about it. Oh, that's their tradition. Don't you understand that you are called to govern the atmosphere that defines the traditions? If the tradition is impending the lives of people, what are you supposed to do? You raise a standard against us against such tradition. I know from where I came from, their tradition that the church stood against and they're no longer practice. One of those traditions is, you know, uh, uh, le, here they call it labola, diary. You know, back then you pay, you pay so much money. <laughs> you want to marry a woman, you pay so much, so much money. To the point that the money you're paying earlier for that dowry is basically like you're buying the woman. No wonder, amen, when the women, amen, bring food to the man, then they must go on their knees and then they must lick the man's shoes and they must do all these things, basically abusing them in the name of tradition. The people rose up against that. They stood against that. And today, I can confidently say that at least I know that in Nigeria, such tradition has been fizzled out. In a day where, you know, you want to marry a woman in Nigeria, it's a pair of diary. The diary could be 10 rand for all I care. You know, 50 naira. You know, I don't know how, how much that is. But, you know, something just more like symbolic. They do it now. It's more like a, back then. No, not like here. You know, you have to bring 20 cows. Why wouldn't the woman be abused? 
You see, you've got to think intelligently. You've got to think intelligently. If we want to build a, man, a progressive society, a progressive nation, we've got to look into the traditions. Because you can say in the name of tradition, that things are going to be allowed, that is impending, that is you know, stopping the economy from growing, that is stopping amen, from women amen, from, to come into that position where they can express their right. Exp- and, and I'm talking about you know, you know, uh, um, men better, be, better than women. Or, uh, that, that, that's, not the, that's not the discussion. I'm just saying that, listen to this. When God created man, he created, he created them equal. Man and women are created equal. Equal. The only difference is that, hallelujah, their call, their call is what differentiates, amen, their service. The man is a visionary. The woman, by nature, hallelujah, is an administrator, amen. God has given you, man, amen, authority to guard, amen, this thing called the earth, this thing called the Garden of Eden. And God says, all right, I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to create for you, make for you, and help meet. She's an help meet, not an help mate. So she's got to understand what she is called to assist in the life of the man so that the purposes of God, you see, you've got to understand that marriage is about the purposes of God. It's not about two people liking themselves, coming together. Well, I like your face. I like your face. Let's come together and let's have children. No, if you reduce it to that, amen, there's going to be continuous chaos. Marriage, amen, expresses the will of God, the counsel of God in the earth. So you've got to first of all ask yourself, what is the purpose of God for my marriage? In there, you will find your place as a woman. You'll find your place as a man because God wants to bring forth his desire through your marriage. He wants to express, amen, his will, his counsel, his prophetic counsel through your marriage. It's in, it's in that reality, hallelujah, that you are able now, amen, to begin to function as a real man and as a real woman. Or else, there will be friction. You see, the woman is more richer than the man, then there is war. You know, the man has insight into things, but the woman is not going to accept because she, she feels, no, no, you, you think you're better than me. And then there is, there is this spirit of division. You see, no wonder our nation today is suffering from divorce. The whole place is littered with, they say out of every five marriage, three must end up in divorce. We've seen it every day. And there are issues, there are issues that people are not touching, that the church is not touching, all right, that is causing this friction. Because when two people come together in marriage, the first thing that must happen is both of them must realize, amen, their position, their calling, their assignment in the marriage you've got to you've got to talk about that you see once you understand the purpose of god for a marriage then the resource amen to carry out that purpose becomes a byproduct i mean that's how it is even if even in business you want to do business with you come into uh, you know partnership with somebody you've got to lay down the terms of agreement what is the terms of agreement you can't just say oh we love each other come let's work together oh you are my best party you are my best friend listen to be the best friend of a person in marriage does not mean, mean that the marriage is going to work. You've got to clearly define the terms of reference. I'm a saint one. My wife should know me as a saint one. It's from that position of a saint one that she defines a grace to assist me. If she cannot define that, then she cannot assist me. She cannot assist me. You understand this? You've got to know. You see, every man has been assigned with a purpose. Every man, every man has been assigned with a purpose. Today, the discussion in South Africa is, is women's month. All right, we've got a toy toy. We've got a protest. You know, 
That's, that should not be that should not be the center amen, of the conversation. No, no, no. You're missing the whole thing. Because, you know, here in South Africa, we toy over everything. We just toy We go around. You know, you carry a plaque here. They will say, look at these people. Let them do whatever they want to do. Give them another, you know, by the end of the month, it will all die down. And truly, it will die down. And the story will continue. You see, we've got to begin to engage the real issue. We've got to begin to engage the real issue. We've got to know why there is there is divorce, why the divorce rate, hallelujah, is skyrocketing. We've got to ask ourselves, do we have do we actually know what marriage is all about? Do we know why people come together? Do we know why God, you know, d- designed and built community? Do we understand the spirit of community? Do we know what it means, all right, to, to you know to associate with, with, with people? Do we know what it means? Amen. To submit and respect and honor each other. Do we understand all that? Or we just, you know, you know, if if you if you assume and you and you take all right the idea that you've gathered from the world system, you 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 you, you gather, amen, the, the, the idea you've you know you, you have you have accumulated from, from Seven Dilan, you know, and from Hollywood and all these superstar. Superstar cannot define what marriage is to you. Society cannot define, you see, because society is fickle. Society is very soulish. Society, amen, is designed by entertainment. Society is designed by entertainment and commerce. Those are the two main things that govern society. In fact, that govern the government of society. As long as the economy is booming, and as long as there is entertainment, all well and good, everything is fine. Come on, hallelujah. As long as the economy is booming, and amen, everybody is happy. Amen. We can build more, you know, more business. We can build more, more. People can spend money, all right, and get more credit. Fine. Listen to this. Government, society do not have what it takes to address the issues that is tearing people apart. The issue that is, you know, pushing people to commit suicide. The issue that is turning men to women and making women to want to become men. These are all issues that has been designed for the church to address. But alas, the church itself has become very social. The church has become very carnal. The church has become part of the society. How can how can we how can we bring solution in a day where amen, Goliath are raising their heads and all the powerful guys, all the military might, all the you know men of stature, men of might, amen, are afraid. Everybody's gone hiding. How can we bring solution? How can we bring solution to this thing? I mean, you look at it. Women, you look at KwaZulu Nata, you see them, women, young women, young, but young and old, young ones, you see them all in the name of virginity. All their breasts is all out. Everybody's watching, everybody's looking. And you know, like I've said it before, listen to this, you know yourself as a man that what you see is what triggers you, it's not what you touch, it's what you see. You see the thing, you want to grab it. Now you're saying something and then the society say, don't touch it. You see, that is the height of hypocrisy. A society that is built on lie and hypocrisy will never thrive in any area of life. You will not thrive, be it in your economic sector, be it in your governance sector. You cannot thrive because you are built on hypocrisy. You see, you can see, but you cannot touch. You know, well, I may not be able to to touch now, but guess what? When we're done with all the ceremony, I'll go touch her behind. I will go meet her. I will go relay her on the road. I will catch her somewhere and I will violate her. So our children, our women are being violated. They say for every five children, every female five children in school today, three of them will be violated before they finish school. 
sexually, they'll be violated. And please don't tell me it's apartheid. That's not apartheid. It's a tradition. It's the ungodly tradition. It's the ungodly tradition. And I'm saying it, that we will not be able to advance in this new day if we don't address this perversion, this wickedness, this ungodliness that is, that is sweeping. And, we, and yet we've got churches. We've got churches. Uh, churches are springing up all over the place. But nobody, it's like these things don't happen. It's like we live in another world. <laughs> it's like we're living in another world. Don't talk, don't, no, no, no. Mm-mm, don't talk about these things. If you're not talking about them, so what are you talking about? In a day where 80% of the women in our churches are violated. Guess what? Not by outsiders, but by their own parents. By their own family members. 80% of our church members have been violated. Not just you know, by outsiders, but even within the church. We say don't touch it. If you touch it, Money will stop flowing in. But you see, that's why somebody like me will have to touch it. Because I'm not interested in your income. I'm not bothered about that. I'm bothered bothered about God's income. I'm bothered about what is coming into the kingdom. Not what is coming into your account. God wants you to prosper. And in fact, he's already prospered you. But he wants you to stand for truth. Because if your life is built on lie, it is that lie you are going to perpetuate. It's that lie you're going to release into society. There are societies today that have been built on lie. Like you look at the American society. That's a, that's a society built on lie. I'm sorry to say, but that's the truth. That is a society that is built on lie. Are there people standing for truth? Yes. Are there people defending the truth? Yes. But the government, the very system... You see, when we talk about a nation, we're not talking about just the people. We're talking about the system. It is the system. The policy makers, when the policy and the system that defines a nation is built on lie, amen, it perpetuates, it reveals, it, 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 it promotes lie to nations. America is a nation that, that promotes, all right, you know, its ungodly policy, you know, its pharisaic policy to nations. If, you, if, 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 if they support you, you like it. If they don't support you, you stand against them, even if they're standing for truth. You see, that's a Pharisee. A Pharisee is a dimension of a system. We have the same system here. And we've got to begin to look into our own life because you see, what, 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 what goes into policy making in terms of you know, you know, parliamentary hearings and all that is what is being fed by, by society. The Bible says the people love you so. If, if, if the people love lie, Guess what? The policy will be defining lies to the people. If the people, hallelujah, love lie, amen, it is lie that, amen, will be projected even from, amen, those who, who make the law. But if we begin to stand for what is right, for even if you're the only one, come on, it's time we begin to see, you know, one, one, one John the Baptist that will stand and say, I am the voice of one. And you'll be surprised that out of that, out of that one voice, you have for yourself, amen, 7,000, amen, that have not bowed the knees. And I can assure you, there are seven, se- several 7,000 out there that have not bowed the knees. Have you bowed the knees to mammal? Have you bowed the knees to, the, you know, to ungodliness? Have you bowed the knees to perversion? Okay, so much has been said. I want to quickly read scripture. Hallelujah. Thank you guys for, you know, tuning in. Thank you, uh, uh, 
Reverend Stella, I see you. Thank you, woman of God. I appreciate you. Amen. Now, now, I'm going to quickly read one or two scripture. We're dealing with in the day of the proximity of the kingdom, in the days of coming to the nearness as the kingdom of God begins to come near to us. Ha, there are things we've got to know. One of the things the scripture is showing us is that we must not be like Moses. <laughs> the Bible says we must not be like Moses. And yesterday we were able to track who Moses was. Who is Moses? Who is Moses? Moses was a powerful instrument that God used. Amen. To bring forth, to project, amen, to advance his counsel. The Bible says that when Moses, amen, came into the presence of God, like many of us, amen, we, we, we started well. We had passion. We, we want to see things happen. We want to see things change, amen. And, and God began to reward, amen, our passion and desire by showing his presence, by revealing himself to us through his face, amen. The scripture says that as we beheld him in the mirror of his word, we've been transformed from one dimension of glory. So here was Moses on the mount of God, on Mount Sinai. He's caught up in the cloud. He's been there 40 days, having, you know, deep discussion with the Lord. Finally, the Lord gave him, you know, a word to the people. He came down to the valley. As he was coming down, suddenly, the people noticed that, hey, is this the same guy that went up there this guy's face is glowing. He's shining. I mean, sparklings were, 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 were fusing out of the face of Moses. They were afraid. They said, don't come near us. Moses suddenly realized, my good God. The glory of God has rubbed, 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 rubbed off on me. The presence of God has covered me. He didn't know. You see, when you're in the presence of God, you don't know what takes place there. That's why my advice for you is, if you love the presence of God, if you are a lover of the presence of God, you will be a carrier of his glory. But here's, the, here's, here's my advice. Don't let what takes place in the presence of God change your attitude towards the people of God. Particularly, thinking that you are better than them. Thinking that you know better than them. Thinking that what you have received, you will use it as a leverage to rule over them. God will shut that thing down quickly. The Bible says that Moses, when he realized that there's something about the glory of God shining in his face, the next time Moses will appear before the people, he got a veil. He got a veil. He became a ninja. <laughs> Moses the ninja. He got a veil and he covered his face. Guess what? Here's the point. That which the father shows you or reveals to you is for a season in time. The presence of God is released into our life, amen, in the context of the season that such a present is required. Let me repeat what I just said. The presence of God, amen, is released to us in seasons, in the context of that which is required for that season. So, like I told you uh, yesterday, there was a presence that we carried, amen, that the church carried, amen, in the 90s. There was a presence, amen, that God carried, amen, in the 80s. There was a presence that God, that, you know, the people of God carried in the year 2000. 
Yes, yet the Lord. There is a presence, hallelujah, that we must carry in this new day. Each seasons of God, amen, require, hallelujah, that we go again, that we interact with him again. You see, our work as, as, as divine representative amen, of God in the earth is, is a work of ascending and descending, ascending and descending. That's what we saw. Amen. In 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 the book of Genesis, in regards to uh, um, Jacob, remember Jacob was running to Pandanaram. He got to a certain place. The Bible says the night said on him. So he got him. You know, he lied down there. He got a stone, lied down there. He didn't know what was going on. He was just sleeping. Amen. Suddenly, boom! He was he was he was he was taken into the spirit to see what was going on. You see, my good God, may you know what is going on over your city. May you know what is going on. You see, when you when you fix your eyes on what you see around, if you are that kind of a blind person that you judge by what you see, you cannot discern into the spirit. You see, when you discern into the spirit, you will discern the hearts of men. You will discern who people are. He said, no, no man after the flesh. You see, there are people they want to know is about the flesh. They know me by you know what they see here. You know, you know, you you even as you know in relationship. Husband and wife, you can, you cannot know your wife, amen, the flesh. Your wife cannot know you in the flesh. The fact that you both lie down together, amen, and you have intimacy does not mean that you cannot identify what that person carry by the spirit. You've got to track people by the spirit. And for you to be able to know, do that, you've got to be able to understand, amen, the atmosphere over their life. So Jacob was open to the atmosphere, of this place called Pandanaram. He got to a place called Pandanaram. And something was happening in that place. Amen. In, in, you know, it was journey to Pandanaram, but he got to this particular place on his transition. And something was happening in that place in the spirit realm that he, he never knew. Because remember, he got to that place in the night. The Bible says the night set on him. Oh, may God, may the night set on us. May the night set upon our life, upon our ministry. May the night set upon you, man of God, woman of God, so that, amen, you can be forced to lie down. I told you, heaven is calling this ship, called the Ecclesia, to the place of the dockyard. They want to, <laughs> they want to put us to sleep. <laughs> Some of us are too, uh, we, 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 are, we, we are too, we are too soulish. We're too, you know, we're, we're too self-driven. Mm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to submit to that thing this guy is saying. They will put you to sleep. You see, if you know too much about the things of God, you think you know too much, they will put you to sleep. Ask Abraham. Every time God wants to do something in the earth, he will put a man, his agent to sleep. Because he doesn't want you to tamper with it. That was, we saw the first sleep in Abraham. They put him to sleep before they brought out Emma Eve. <laughs> you see, at every season, God will always prove who he is. So they put him to sleep. They put Jacob to sleep. He was sleeping. But you see, in, in your, when you're sleeping, your spirit should not be sleeping. Have you noticed that when you sleep, your spirit don't sleep? If you're sleeping and your spirit is sleeping, you are dead. You are the most spiritually dead person. I mean, there's no better way I can define it. You're really dead, dead, dead. Kumatus. <laughs> no, sorry, not Kumatus, you're dead. <laughs> so they put this guy to sleep. When they put him to sleep, pump! The heavens open. 
Esau Alabayam. Oh, Father, open our eyes. When they put him to sleep, suddenly the scripture said, he saw amen, a ladder that reached from heaven to earth. And he saw angels ascending and descending. And you thought, well, that must be a church, something God, God wants to do something there in that physical space. Yes, but beyond that, it's not just about you know God wanting to do something in that space because yes, a, a, a space can become a portal for God. You see, let's speak. Come on, a space can become a portal in every location, in every nation, in every city. There should be a place that is dedicated. I mean, and I'm, t- I'm talking about a literal place right now, you see, because the kind of spirit, the kind of fellowship, the kind of activity that takes place in a place, in a location, can either become a portal, amen, to the things of God or to the paths of darkness. When you dedicate a place to certain things, to certain activity, all right, to, to, to certain function, to certain gathering, that place can either be a portal, amen, to heaven or to the paths of darkness. So I'm praying that heaven will really touch us. That the space God has given to us will become a gateway. Will become a portal. You see? To the things of God. So that God can flow down. You see, every time God wants to come down, it comes through, amen, a place, a people. Come on. You you, you remember the scripture in in, in, uh, Acts chapter 1. Jerusalem people were in Jerusalem people were coming from different part of the world amen they were coming everybody was coming remember it was a it was a it was the feast it was a day of the feast amen it was day of Pentecost so everybody's coming people were traveling from from Egypt from Libya from uh, uh, Cappadocia you know from Pamphylia people were coming from different part of the world all the way from India people were coming everybody's coming hey you know, Jerusalem is the place of uh, of, of of the feast. Amen. is is a is a is a pilgrim ground. We go for pilgrim, just like you know the Muslim people will go to Mecca for pilgrim. So Jerusalem was a pilgrim ground. They're going for pilgrim. You know, every year you go renew your prayer, you go renew your covenant. You know, that was the same place that Ethiopian Enoch went, and they said Philip to go. We lay him on the road because after doing all that, he was going back still blind, still reading Isaiah, but he was clueless about what he was reading. Until Philip said, do you understand what you're reading? They said, join the chariot. Do you understand what you're reading? He said, how can I understand if there's nobody to explain to me? So, Philip did not just show him. He explained to him. And that explanation amen, brought him to a position of decision. He said, now, what's stopping me from being baptized? My good God. Here's water. Baptize me. The job was done. Philip disappeared. The guy went took the gospel to Africa. The white man did not bring the gospel to Africa. Amen. A black man who journeyed down to Jerusalem, going back to his homeland, blind, amen, was relayed by God because God had a plan, amen, for this Ethiopian Enoch. It was a minister, hallelujah, of finance. They relayed him on the road. They baptized him with truth. He brought the truth to Africa. That's how truth came to Africa. Not, not with those who claimed they came, you know, with their own agenda. Came through some sheep, you know, to Africa and said they brought the truth. No, they brought their own gospel. They brought their idea. They brought, amen, the agenda of the papacy. They brought the agenda of the queen. That's, that's, not, that's not mission. 
When God wants to do something in a nation earlier, he has a way of aligning his own people to the truth. That's for somebody here. But that's not where I'm going. The scripture said that Jacob was connected to this to this activity that was happening. Just on his head, he saw angels ascending and descending, you know. It tells you they were doing something. It's like they were carrying something. You know, they were bringing something down, going up. It's, there's an activity going on. What, what kind of an activity can be going on in a, in a desert? I mean, it's a, it's a desert, dry land. You see, but what you call dryness to God is not dry. You see, heaven, 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 true prophetic understanding does things ahead of time. Amen. In that place that you think there's nothing there, there are divine activity, there are constructions going on. You can't see it with your two eyes, but there are construction, there are buildings. Amen. The city of God is being built in the place that you call barren. That's why if they send you to a place, don't bother about who is there, who is not there. You just do what God is doing. You align, amen, with the resource of heaven. So, 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 so there was a divine construction taking place, amen. These angels, amen, were bringing resources down, amen. And they were taking something of the earth to heaven. They were doing something, amen, that would define in the latter future, amen, the destiny of a people called the church of God. But you think that was enough? This is not just about, amen, a location. Remember, you see, you've got to balance truth. There's a location. But that which was taking place is not, it's not just about an individual. Excuse me. It's, just not, it's not just about a place. It's about a person. Because the first time Jesus, hallelujah, collided, or rather with Nathaniel, colliding with Jesus Christ. And Jesus told him, before you ever thought about anything, I already saw you. I knew you. You were sitting under the fig tree. Nathaniel said, wow, you must be the Messiah. Because at this point, Nathaniel said, how can this be the Messiah? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? He's a Nazarene. He's, this guy's from Nazareth. He wasn't tracking with God. Because if he was tracking with God, he, was a, he must have seen where the scripture said, amen, when he left Egypt, amen, they had to, they, they had to you know, uh, uh, take a detour to, Naz, you know, to, to, to Nazareth. All right? Because those who are seeking to kill him, amen, the son is still alive. So they had to go through there, Nazareth. Amen. He shall be called a Nazarene. Amen. So you see, if you track with God, you follow the word of God, you will understand that everything God does are done in details. So when you are speaking, you've got to speak to the detail. The scripture said, Nathaniel said, you must really be the son of God. Jesus said, because I told you this thing, you believe. He said, guess what? A day's going to come. You're going to see the heaven open up. Angels will be ascending and descending upon the son of man. What is Jesus saying? I am the portal of heaven. I am the gateway of heaven. If you want to know the, the father's mind, you want to know the will of God, you want to know the counsel of God, look at me. I am the portal. I am the gate. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Everything you need to know about me, about the kingdom, is in me. Ye who have seen me, have seen the Father. Come to me. So at this point, something began to happen in the life of Jacob. Because heaven opened up. When heaven opened up into your life, over your life, listen to me, you will begin to understand the purpose of God. You begin to see things. You will understand the reason why they brought you to a place that looks barren, that looks dry, that looks 
arid that looks empty you will understand why they will take you from 3000 people amen to you know to one man that you have not even met and you are waiting amen on the road of gaza amen you will you see you've got to understand the objectives of god the counsel of god his dealings with men his dealings with homes with family everything is tagged with purpose your nation carries purpose and if you don't understand that purpose you will be siding with things you're supposed to be standing against the purpose of god is bigger than a space you've got to understand this so moses never understood that heaven took him amen into that reality to witness something bigger than himself. He came down with a veiled face. I was telling you that this is this this reality are in seasons. The seasons of God in our life come in phases. And this face, like I was saying, amen, defines the kind of face we're going to wear. Every face of the seasons of God requires a different face. I don't know the face they want you to wear now. It could be the face of a man. It could be the face of an eagle. It could be the face, amen, of a lion. It could be the face. Come on. You've got to understand what face is called the ministry of the cherubim. They are all intertwined, amen, but they will be showing you what they want you to see, what they want you to know, what they want you to come into. Within those faces, amen, are, are expressions of the, of, the, of the days of God, of the counsels of God, of the mysteries of God, of the revelation of Christ. Each face is a temperament of God's speakings and desires. Desire, hallelujah, within amen, a nation, within a society, within a generation. Which face are you called to wear? And all this face, amen, will be will be will be moving in accordance to the will within the will. It is called the streamings of the spirit. Ever before Facebook understand what is called streaming. The spirit of God has been streaming. Streaming is life. Streaming is will. Streaming is desire and counsel. As I said some time ago. The days where you want to do your own ministry is over. All the ministries are coming together. And they will be streaming together. The, the work of the Lord is going back. He's streaming back to the place called Garden Eden. Eden is opening up. Because the rivers are journeying back. Hallelujah. We will journey back together. Out of Eden flow four rivers, four heads of streams. They are all coming back together. The days of one man, one man ministry, one, one man idea, one man's vision is over. You can no longer run church the way you've been running it. A pastoral concept of ministry is over. You are the founder. You are the Lord, you are the master, you are the Jew. That's not God's ministry, that's your ministry. The ministry of God, amen, is open for all the grace and the giftings of God. Not just to function, but to resident, to resident. The face of an eagle in the face, amen. I've got a, f- a friend of mine's book somewhere here. Um, yeah. This is uh, Apostle Andre Johnson's book. I love the, I love the, I love the image here. Uh, you know, beautiful material. I actually edited this book. You know, beautiful material. Edited this book for him. Beautiful, beautiful material. I will recommend this book. 
you know, for anyone, the, eter the eternal truth of God. Beautiful. This man, he brought the mind of God out of this. I mean, even download certain things here. Beautiful. I will recommend it for you. Look for this book. Amen. Andre Johnson, all right, it's not giving me any commission. I'm just, I, I actually want to use the concept, you know, of the book to, you know, to ex explain something to you. But I just feel I need to do a little bit of, you know, speaking promotion here. Please look for this book. Look for it on Amazon. I believe it's on Amazon. Look for it. Beautiful material. Now, you see, that if you find the face of an eagle, I'm not sure if you can see this. If you can, good. You see the face of an eagle, the face of a lion. Now on this point, sis is expressing the apostolic concept of this. So obviously is using uh, uh, the face of a, of, of a lion. You see the face of a lion. Amen. You see in front. But my, my point is, you see all this face that you find in the, in the ministry of the cherubim. They are all connected to one head, Christ. So if somebody says, well, Jesus is the standard that the Father is expressing, the question you must then ask yourself is, what dimension of Christ is he expressing? What is that dimension? What is, you see, you, you've got to understand, Jesus is the most complex human being. And I, I don't mean to use that word on a very neg you know, negative or just use that word complex. You know, because I know when they say, oh, these apostolic people, they just like to use words. That's not my heart. But... The, the, the word complex is the best word I can use to express what I'm about to say. Alright? I told you about my friend Robin, who is late now. And he's showing me, you know, you know, uh, um, this old gadget about flying airplane. <laughs> In my own natural human, you know, mind, you know, as, as a novice, I'm saying to myself, I don't think I will ever be able to fly a plane. Because personally, I'm not too much into technicality. I'm not a technical person when it comes to, you know, material, natural things. Technicality in the spirit, yes, I understand that. But when you talk about all buttons, I love gadgets. I, oh my good God, I love gadgets. But when it comes to, okay, let's say coding now. I'm not going to give my time into learning how to code. No, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I'm not going to No, that, that's me. That's me. I'm not saying it's not good. It's good. I mean, I want my children to learn coding and all that. But me, no, no, I'm not going to go into all that because I want to engage myself, my time with things that are, will fast track and advance my work. Somebody should do that and I use it. Good. I mean, beautiful. That's wisdom. So what I'm saying is each aspect of Christ, all right? Is defining complexity like I was explaining the whole idea of kingdom. Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom. Except a man be born of the water and the spirit, he cannot enter in the kingdom. So your entrance into the kingdom basically is an introduction to the kingdom life. And the first person, yes, the first person you get to meet, amen, in this gate of the kingdom is Christ. He, he will introduce himself to you as the way, the truth, and the life. Now you begin to understand. Excuse me. I hope this um, sound is not disturbing you. Thank you, Father. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hmm. So, so you, 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 you come to the entrance of the gate called kingdom. 
Jesus introduced himself to you as the way, the truth, and the life. The truth, the, the, the way, the way to what? The way to everything you need to know. Because the gateway into that kingdom, amen, is a value system. That is the place where they reorientate you about your view. You see, people have all kinds of views. <laughs> Our view determines how we interact, how we relate to world, to the world, to society. If you have a world's view, a world's view, a world's view, you will never be able to interact with the things of God. A worldview will never give you, amen, the sight to understand the things of God. No. You cannot have a worldview and want to touch the things of God. No. Because what you'll be seeing in, amen, in the word of God will, will be contradicting to what the world, amen, has given to you. Example. The children of Israel wanted a king. God said, okay, I'm going to give you a king. But my desire for you, my eternal plan, which will never change, amen, is that I remain your king. I want to be your king. Amen. I, I, I want to rule over you. And I'll do that, amen, through my, my instruments that I have called, amen, as priest. He said, I want you to be a priest, amen, of the nation. I want you to be a priest unto me, to the nations. That's what I want. I want to rule through my priesthood. I don't want you to, amen, to, I don't want you to be like the, like the other nation. I don't want, you know, your pattern of, of, of interaction, amen, of leadership, amen, of governance to be like that of the hidden nation. But they said, no, that's what we want. So he said, okay, that's fine. I'll give you a king. In fact, he said, I'll give you a captain. From, from being a captain, they made him a king. You see, Saul was the first king. They made him a king. And the Lord said, this is what this guy is going to do to you. He's going to rule over. He's going to take your children. He's going to take everything that you work for. They want a king, you see. Because when a people is suffering from identity crisis, amen, you will be wanting what your neighbor wants, amen. Uh, whatever your neighbor gets, if, if your neighbor buys a new car, that is some car you want. If your neighbor gets something, that's what you want. If your friend has got something, that's what you want. You see, you're never satisfied with what... You want what, has, what God has given to you. You always want something, amen, the other wants. You know, that's somebody who lacks an understanding of his or herself. It's an identity crisis. It's an identity crisis that you've got something nice, but you see somebody comes with something that looks more better. You say, no, no, I want that one. Suddenly, that which you have, you discard it. And then you want that one. That's what is pushing us. That's a problem of, you know, insecurity. That's an identity problem. So the children of Israel said, no, we want a king. We, 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 we also want a king like all the nations. God said, okay, it's fine. You don't want me to be your king? You don't? All right, I'll give you a king. So he gave them a king. He gave them what they want. And you know what that led them into? So, so we've got to understand, all right, that in the days that the father is speaking to us, he wants to rule over us. He wants to be our, he wants to be the expression, hallelujah, of leadership, of true leadership, of true kingship. But if we refuse that, hallelujah, and choose what we see all around us, we will remain where they are and we will never be a solution. So that's a problem. My time is running out. I, I think I need to finish this scripture or else I'm just going to continue. My good God, I've almost done two hours. This is one hour, 45 minutes. God help me here. All right. Let's finish the scripture, then I'll call it a day. Then maybe I'm gonna come back in the in the in the evening and just finish this day. 
But let's let's look at this. We we're dealing with something here, and I don't want you to lose the track of what we're talking about. We want to unveil ourselves in the day of the nearness of the kingdom. That is the primary focus. That is where we are heading to. If you if you have not pick anything or if there's something you need to pick from what i'm saying this is it you must pick this one in the days where the kingdom of god amen begins to come close to us in the day where amen there is there is a proclamation of repent the kingdom of god is near you and like i've said before please that is not just some uh you know salvation you know terminology no 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 no. that is a powerful word to, for pastors for prophets for apostles for teachers amen for government for cities for nations amen repentance means amen the things you're doing has become obsolete amen your value system no longer tallies with amen the desire and the demand of god you're no longer in alignment with the will of god so you've got to repent repentance means you come to a consciousness that uh-oh I'm going the wrong way here. I'm supposed to be heading to Cape Town, but it seems we're going somewhere else. Amen. You repent. You turn back. That's repentance. It's a 360 degree turn around. You turn back to the right path. Don't just turn around. No, you turn back and face the right path. The church needs to repent. The church has been on the wrong path. The church, amen, has been misdirected. The church has been misled, amen. The church has been wrongly positioned. And so, you know, John is saying, repent for the kingdom of God. You see, when the kingdom of God comes, life never remains the same. When the kingdom of God comes, two things happen. I've said it before. I'm going to say it again. When the kingdom of God comes near you and makes a landfall, makes impact in your, into your life, is either the kingdom changes you amen, or judges you. The kingdom either changes you or judges you. Two things will either happen. So, so in the days where they say repent, amen, what, what, what happens is they begin to shake a foundation. You say, I will shake every foundation that can be shaken. Everything that can be shaken will be shaken. Then they're shaking you. They're shaking. They're shaking. Shaking. Shaking your poop. Shaking the finance. Shaking, you know, your money. Shaking your relationship. Shaking your, 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 your association. They're shaking your revelation, your truth. They're shaking you. Shaking. What are they doing? They're trying to shake off everything, amen, that is not tried, that has not gone through fire, that is not, amen, of the Lord. He said, in that day, amen, that which we have built shall be tried by fire. My, my, my thing is, before the day of trial comes, you try yourself first. He said, judge yourself that you may not be judged. That is wisdom. That you judge yourself, that you put yourself, amen, on the scale. Weigh yourself before the handwriting appears on the wall. You've got to put yourself, amen, on that point, amen. You, you face, you know, the, the, the light. Face, amen, the light of God and say, God, try me. That's, that's David. He said, he try me. See if there be any iniquity in me. Try me, Lord. I open myself to you. Please, Lord, help me here. You've, that's the attitude. In the day where they say the kingdom of God is coming near you, you strip yourself. You remove all your guardedness, all your, you know, uh, uh, man of Godism, all your elitism. You strip yourself of the robe. You strip yourself, amen, of the falsehood. You begin to unveil your face. You remove the veil. I see some iniquity here in Cape Town. I've seen it a lot of places in South Africa. See, men of God, they say they're into the, the kingdom of God. They, 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 they're into the will of God. They go to Jerusalem and get what God knows what they call that prayer thing. They put it in their face. <laughs> they say they're praying. They say it's a prayer shawl. They say they, it's been prayed for. And they're like this. I say, look at these people. These are the most blind people. 
I've ever seen in my life. Which, which, which school, which spiritual school did you go to? They look pious. That thing makes them look holy. They are the most unholy people. Because holiness is not defined by your appearance. Holiness is a fragrance. Amen. Of a life that has been beaten through the process of the anointing of God. That when you come into a place, your life just oozes out this aroma. It's like a woman who comes into, into a house, you know, with a beautiful perfume. Her presence just fills the house. It's holiness. Holiness is a garment of righteousness you wear. It's purity. Holiness is your standing before God. It's not what you wear. It's not some regalia. It's not some... You put. You, I mean... My good God. Not only do they do that. You see, some people have gone as far as they build... They really... They build, you know, the ark... They said this is symbolic of the presence of God. You just brought you just brought the image, the image of you know of of wardom, of you know of idolatry. You just brought that image into the house of God. You see, because what you present before the people, amen, is what you project as truth to them. What you brought, what you bring before the people is what you project to the people as truth. Don't say symbolic. There's no place in the scripture that says you should use things like that as symbolic. I've said this before. I need to round up. In the scripture in the old in the old testament, God uses you know similitudes, you know, uh, um, he uses drawings. You see, here's a drawing from my child, you know. This is from Jemima. You can see these are the way they, they you know they teach them in school. They teach them through what is called other visual. Most of the teachings are through visuals. Visuals. Now, in the Old Testament, that's how God teaches us. He uses visuals to teach us. Why? Because our level of comprehension at that at that time is still very low. You see, like I told you, when the, when 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 the children of Israel were were brought out of Egypt, the first place they brought them to was Sinai. Sinai is a type of the first class, the first day school. Amen. It is your kindergarten. It's, it's a place of orientation. It's a place where they begin to teach you. They show you how God, who God is, and how He wants you to relate with Him. God said, "Tell the people that the Muslim come Amen. close to the you know to the mountain. They must leave a gap. They must leave a distance. All right. God was showing them something. There's a pattern. God said, Moses, you come to me. I'll tell you some things. You're going to go down. You're going to tell them." You know, it's like there's a dialogue between God, Moses, and the people. Amen. But the whole essence, if you read the scripture in Exodus, the whole essence is for God to actually meet with them. He said, because I want to come down on the third day. I want to come down in the thickness of the cloud and meet with the people. So all that going back and showing them visuals, amen, was to prepare them for something, for an encounter. Come on, this is the 21st century. This, this is the twilight of the third day. We're still using visuals. You're still coming with, you know, with regalias. You, you're still coming with chains. You're still coming. You, you, think, you think the devil is afraid of your crucifix. 
You think these are the days of the exorcist? Remember those f- films we used to watch back then in the 80s? Exorcist, you know? This, this father wants to cast out. I don't know if you watched that movie. I did. He wants to cast out the devil. And he goes get a cross. He gets a cross and he gets water. Do you know how that deceived a lot of people? You think there's holy water and there's a holy cross that can change the devil? The devil will hit you at your cross and your holy water. You have no authority. You have no spiritual position in the spirit. They will make, they will make you a mincemeat. God asked the seven sons of Sceva. They, they, they dealt with them. They ran naked, naked. <laughs> oh, God help us. So, so you've got to understand that these things men of God are claiming they're doing, you know, in the name of God, is childish. Hey, they say this oil, this oil came from Jerusalem. This oil came from, you know, this water is from River Jordan. What makes the water of River Jordan different from the one at the backyard of your house? Is I know Jesus. Jesus was baptized there. You are the most religious person. In... <laughs> oh, hallelujah. Don't mind me. It's a new day. It's a day of the Lord. Let me read this scripture, then I'm gonna stop. Hebrews, excuse me, uh, second Corinthians. Second Corinthians chapter chapter three, and I'm going to read from verse seven. Then I'm going to round up. Then I'll come back because we must. I've I've not done justice, but I know I've overdragged the time. But there's a need for that. Now, if verse seven says, "Now if the ministry that brought death, listen to this, if the ministry that brought death, which was engraved in letters or, or, or in letters on stones." Came with glory and Ebrayata. This ministry that came engraved in letters of stone, the Bible says, had glory. So that the Israelites could not look steadily at the face. Of Moses because of his glory. Transitory through though it was transitory means it's is 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 progressive, is 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 in transit, is moving, though it was, is transiting. Transitory though it was, it is not the ministry of the spirit. Listen to this. Is another ministry of the Spirit even more glorious? Comparing the ministry that was transcribed or inscribed on letters of stone that carried glory, that was transitory. Is it, Paul said, is it, not, is it not that the ministry of the Spirit even more, much more glorious? If the ministry that brought condemnation was glorious, how much more the how much more glorious is the ministry that is bringing producing the righteousness of God? I'm going to stop here. If you live in the first day of the transitory ministry, a ministry that is engraved on letters of stone. If you allow yourself to be benchmarked by this order, you will never come into the day of the ministry of the Spirit. 
What is the ministry of the Spirit? We're going to talk about that. Have I been a blessing to you this morning? Has the Lord used me to speak to you this morning? Wow. A few minutes to, to two hours <laughs> dealing with this thing. See, when you start dealing with the things of the Spirit, time basically stands still. We want to thank God for this opportunity to come your way, to speak to you, to bring this word across. If you have been blessed, please leave a comment. Say something. Let people know about what God is doing. Share the link. You know, share the like. Let people know. Heaven has begun, amen, to move in our day and in our time. And listen to this. I am not the only one declaring this thing. There are several, several people out there Thank God for the men of God and women of God, everyone that, you know, that showed support this morning. I really appreciate you. I know that you believe in what I'm doing and you have a heart for what I'm doing. And I appreciate you for that. I thank God for your life. I appreciate every one of you. Uh, I, I, I want to pray that the Father will continue to use you to advance his will and his purpose. All right. For those who think, well, I'm just, I'm just, you know, uh, bashing them. I'm just, you know you know, uh, standing against what they're doing. You, you're wrong because I had pastor before. I was once a pastor. God brought me out and I wasn't a failure. I did well. And God took me. He brought me, amen, to another reality, to another realm. And, and even, in fact, in fact, as a pastor, I was declaring this thing to my members. I went as far as telling them, if your heart is not aligning to the will of God, hold your offerings and your tithes. Keep it. So I wasn't just saying things because, oh, it's because you're no longer, you're not pastoring. You don't understand. Oh, I do understand. I know what it means to struggle. Some of my members are watching me, so they know. Back then, they can testify to what we've been through. They stick with me. A lot of people left our church. People that, when they give tithes in one just their monthly tithe can cover so many things we need to do for the month. But guess what? When we began to declare this truth, they left. And they thought leaving all right, was going to stop me from continuing in the declarations of God's desire. But I said, no, we're not stopping. We continue. A lot of people left. But those who remain journeyed further. You see, those who did not, who, who, excuse me, those who did not journey with me, when we step into the heart of of the spirit of reformation for the church. Most of them today are the ones that are connecting to all these ungodly houses called, you know, Redeem, Winner's Chapel, and all kinds of places that they're lying to them and caging their destiny. I can say this thing because they know me. Back then I say these things to them. I'm not afraid of anything. Right there in Nigeria, while I was a pastor in Nigeria, I was saying it, I was declaring this thing. Some of them will remember that if we continue church the way we're doing it, a day is going to come that, you know, ungodly people will start throwing bombs into our churches. I didn't know I was saying, I didn't know, I didn't have an understanding of what I was declaring that time. But I knew the Lord was impressing these things in my heart that we need to change the wineskin of the church. I was declaring this thing back then. I, I sound crazy. I sound like, this guy, are you serious? There was nothing like Boko Haram then while I was declaring these things. Almost two decades later, every word is coming to pass. I want to tell you, you've got to change the wineskin. Heaven now is demanding again that we change the wineskin of our house, of our lives, of our ministry, so that we don't suffer shipwreck. 
this ship this ship called the ecclesia must be fixed and be updated with the latest with the latest amen apostolic amen uh, 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 wiring so that the will of god the counsel of god hallelujah can really progress in our life i believe god that heaven will use you to bring a change to society thank you so very much man of god woman of god everyone that you know that joined this morning to listen to me by the grace of god i'm going to be coming back uh before evening i'll let you know i'll, I'll put the time on my facebook timeline please just track with me let's push this thing please continue to pray for me that god will give me the grace and the focus not to be distracted but to keep pushing forth and bring forth his counsel i appreciate every one of you thank you lady barbara thank you uh reverend stella thank you uh um my brother, uh, Prophet Nathan, and wrote to me, uh, uh, Sister Bussi. So many of you that joined in, I appreciate every one of you. The, the ones that I can't mention their name, please, I appreciate you and I love you. May God continue to keep us. May we continue to join. And thank you for those who have been listening to me on our uh, Potter's Gate broadcast. And I appreciate you for being part of this beautiful day. You can see from, from we're streaming from two uh, from two, uh two realms from uh, both the the radio podcast and uh, uh, um, facebook live stream god is expanding us and will continue to expand we believe in god one of these days we'll also be doing the same on youtube amen thank you so very much have yourself a wonderful day a wonderful day bye bye god bless you